The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, Cabinet Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me is mainly always is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How are you feeling, Elliot? Oh, I have the post-San Diego Comic-Con blues. And I wasn't even there. Well, yeah, because if you were there, you'd have the post-San Diego Comic-Con poll. Correct. That's <laughs> not correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I was not there. I've, only, I've been there once, although I just got an open invitation a friend of mine in San Diego who says, why aren't you staying with us? And I was like, oh, yeah, I just have to get tickets next year. Yeah, well, good luck. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, this year was, this year was different thanks to the SAG strike. Uh, the WGA strike has been going on for a while, but the Screen Actors Guild just went on a strike, and no one's allowed to promote as well as shoot anything. So anything that we were going to see for movies and television, which has taken over San Diego for the last 20 years, was not there. And this Comic-Con seemed like it was actually a Comic-Con. Well, yeah. And that's what folks were talking about. They were saying that there, I remember early on they were like, oh, well, maybe people just won't show for Com- you know, San Diego Comic-Con this year. Maybe, maybe it won't be the madhouse that it is every year uh, as and as someone who has been quite a few times and just can't do it anymore um the but uh from what i heard and i saw pictures it looked like just as yep. much the madhouse as anything it uh, and uh, just because you didn't have the actors on panels which they couldn't do to promote things it wasn't that it wasn't that the actors couldn't be there there were many yes, they just could not promote Right. Like, uh, Felicia Day posted a picture from a hotel room and she's like, this is all I can post. Yeah. Now she can't talk about anything that's going on. Could she, could she sign autographs? Sure. Could she make appearances at a booth or do whatever? Of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like she couldn't, yeah, she couldn't do like say a Buffy the Vampire Slayer panel or, or whatever. I would say too, it, when you have the majority of like, say, um, the, the studio saying, well, if we can't have our actors there, uh, we might as well just bail. Well, why aren't the producers there? <laughs> well, also, if you're saying if the actors aren't there, we might as well just bail. You kind of given away your hand in this whole strike thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, it, I would say you saw how vital. I will, though, swinging to the other side. Um, it's, it's like so many, even before this year's Comic-Con, there were a lot of the studios were saying, you know, we don't need to be at Comic-Con. We don't need to promote this. We don't need to promote that. Uh, we're gonna, we saw, uh, many studios just pass on even being there before the strike because they're, they're starting to think that maybe the investment that they make. Uh, to do the whole the panel and all the promotion and all that in the end it doesn't really help as much as they would think 
Well, I think they, they hit a saturation point with comic fans. It's like comic fans know that these movies are always coming. Comic fans know that these shows are coming out. So we're well up to speed. Uh, I found it interesting this weekend how some trailers came out. There was a trailer for the Marvels. There was a trailer for Lower Deck Season 4. Uh, there was a trailer for Discovery Season 5. And they just put them out this weekend on YouTube. And just like any other trailer, within a couple of hours, um, they were all over social media, including X. Which, <laughs> oh, the... the, the... Which, yeah, which is the worst rename, unless you're a part of Marvel. Uh, Did Elon Musk think that Twitter was a part of Marvel in the 90s and he would just put an X on it and then it would be worth more? We are learning more and more the utter lack of imagination that Elon Musk has. Yes. I heard he wants Rob Liefeld to draw X. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Liefeld's drawing the social media platform and there are no feet. You know, no one has any feet. Which is also why it's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's gonna be right where it is behind a, a behind a tuft of grass yeah <laughs> grassy knoll <laughs> so well, yeah so it's uh, social media if you ask me i think social media youtube all those things have really kind of taken the place of uh the conventions you know remember um When they've been trying, when they've tried to do things like make a convention exclusive premiere, uh, but, but my most recent uh, example I can think of is the Dial of Destiny trailer that happened at D23. Mm -hmm. And they did, and people were angry. It's the whole, okay, yeah, you showed it at D23. When do we get to see it online? You know, and it's like, we're doing this. Yeah, they were saying, well, we, we want to reward the folks who actually come to our convention. But when you look at the number of people who actually attend conventions compared to the number of people who can't and who would just as easily consume your media or, you know, buzz and, you know, create your hype. I don't know if it really benefits you to do a convention exclusive thing that you're going to hold back from YouTube for a month, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, there's one this weekend, uh, Marvel, um, and I wanted to get into this a little deeper without obviously uh co you know covid proved that you could do promotion for entertainment without making people go to a place um but also with no big movies coming with disney really pulling back as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks and warner brothers rebooting so they don't have anything of the james gunn variety really to show uh the two major comic companies aren't promoting any movie or tv the one thing that marvel promoted and they have promoted it hard was x-men 97 so which is the animated follow-up to the 90s x-men cartoon not only did they show a trailer that was convention exclusive but uh hasbro showed an entire marvel legends line that's devoted to the animated series they had uh both a small like star wars size and a marvel legend size and it seemed to be all Marvel Entertainment wanted to talk about, like watching new 90s episodes of X-Men on Disney+. Plus. What's your take on – what's your take – what is your take on the 90s X-Men coming back? <laughs> see, I missed that boat. I'll be honest. I remember watching it and going, uh – see, I mean, I was – I mean, I'm, I'm going to date myself here. I'm, I'm 80s – you know, I'm Gen X. I'm 80s yeah, X-Men. as am I. 
the Chris Claremont run, um, I probably ended my uh, X-Men collection. I, I'll tell you, I, I stopped collecting X-Men before Jim Lee came on board, before the launch of X-Men number one um, with, with Jim Lee. That's what I stopped as well. I was, uh, I got on, I got on a little late. I just missed Paul Smith, but I got on for like the first Romita Jr. run. So I missed John Byrne and Dave Cockrum, but I got out in during Silvestri. There were yeah. too many crossovers. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I, yep. I missed that whole thing too. And also as a Gen Xer, I, I was a college student when it came out. So I know millennials lose their minds with X-Men, but as a college student, I, I just looked at it and went, you know, Batman in the animated series is better. And I loved that show. Next Man always seemed a little cheesy to me. It seemed a little hokey, a little low budget, a little cheap. Um, and you're right. I constantly wanted them to do more of the classic Claremont. And I liked I liked the 80s X-Men better when there were like seven of them rather yes. than 20. And uh, I remember when I would watch that X-Men show, I was like, I go, yeah. Warner Brothers with the Bruce Tim in charge of Batman go. Now that was great animation. Yeah. I'd watch the X-Men. I go, Oh, this looks like GI Joe. I was yeah. not, a, I was not a fan of the GI Joe animation. Well, it's funny. I, I watched, uh, I put on gargoyles on Disney plus cause I never finished it. And it was another one of those where I thought it was a good show, but it was a little too young for me. Uh, and man, did that show want to be Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just uh, it was a really good show on its own, and Greg Reisman went on to create, you know, Young Justice and Spectacular Spider-Man, um, a major talent. But the look of the the look of the backgrounds, the character designs, the even the voice cast. I was um, I was watching one the other day, and it was first of all the entire cast of Next Generation is in there. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Jonathan Freaks, Marina Sirtis, Michael Dorn shows up, Brent Spiner shows up. But the idea of taking dramatic actors and not cartoon voiceover gods came out of Batman the Animated Series. So that was raising the level. And then X-Men comes along and it's kind of doing what stuff was doing in the 80s. I feel like X-Men was the next step up from Super Friends. But not Batman the Animated Series. Maybe a step sideways from Transformers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of Transformers, I the unsold pilot for the X-Men part of the X-Men, I always thought it was a better show. Yeah. You know, that the animation was much better. It seemed like it was better set up for toys. And it was more the classic costumes. Although, I do admit, you know, I have uh, have my Marvel Legends on display in my office. And I have pretty much one version of every character. And my X-Men are all Jim Lee. Because I went back and forth. It's like, as much as I want to put the John Byrne, the Jim Lee stuff is just iconic. Oh, it is. And, And you have, you know... Again, that 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 incredible cover. You have the, yep. you know, again, X-Men, X- it still holds up. Yeah, X Men number one sold over a million copies, which is now unheard of in in comics. Uh, so I can see why they're going in that direction. I can see why they want to push it, but again, it's like I don't know a television show. You know, that's your big focus. And then, um, then there was some Spider Man stuff. They released um, a bunch of variant covers for the next Spider-Man event that's going on, which uh, Gang War. I got the re- I got the press release on that. Looks kind of cool, you know, Spidey on the ground dealing with you know street level stuff. Yeah, it's the kind of thing like it's kind of Spidey doing Daredevil. 
Yeah, yeah. And Daredevil's in it, you know. Of or course. At least the Electra version of Daredevil. So. <clears throat> yeah, I have lost so much, so much track of Daredevil. For the longest time, they they announced um, the next set of Marvel Knights, Marvel Legends, and they had Daredevil with the beard, and then they also they showed the Daredevil Electra in another one, and I'm like, I don't know how these versions happened. I don't. I'm not gonna go near them. I just, I just, it's too much time (laughs) to figure out what Chip Zdarsky did to Daredevil to to make him not shave. Well, they've they've done the same. I mean, it's it's funny because I remember back to X Men. I'd go, man, the continuity on X Men is so convoluted and complicated, and 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 and, and there's so many freaking. They had so many freaking X Men titles that everything was crossing over here and there mm-hmm. and whatever. And I can't keep track. Well, now they've they've done that with Spider Man, and they're they're uh, by you. They haven't done it with Daredevil yet uh it's it's amazing how much daredevil sells enough to have a whole family of titles no that's true but i mean they've figured out a way to complicate daredevil with just one title you know just and constantly rebooting the series over and over and over yeah well that's the thing every creative team completely reboots daredevil you can't have a follow-through the last daredevil uh run i read which i think is recent and it's not is the mark wade chris nanny and i loved it um, but there's certainly, I don't think there's anything that connects to Daredevil now that yeah. was in there. Yeah. And the well, rebooting oh, Captain America, too. Oh, but, oh, but speaking yeah. of Daredevil, before we jump back to uh, 90s X-Men, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, our good friend uh, Dan Chichester has, did announce a s- limited series going back to his days of Daredevil in the Black Armor. Good, good. There's a There's definitely a 90s... I feel like I maybe it's because of the strikes, but I felt like this Comic Con was really looking back, which on one hand I was happy about it. You know, um between Marvel pushing the nineties X Men series, McFarlane's coming out with Batman and Robin figures. <laughs> like there's a build in Arnold. Well, there I just think I mean we we're saying that about the nineties now. I remember when Marvel was looking back at the eighties and people were talking about, you know, Marvel strip mining the past, you know, everything was retconning this or filling in that, or let's have a title that redoes this. How many times did we have uh, uh, an, an X-Men title with uh, by Chris Claremont where he was filling in, you know, the issue between issues 46 and 52 oh, yeah. and X-Men in the, hidden years, X-Men yeah. classic. Right. So it's like, eh, I guess we're finally moving forward a bit while looking back. Uh, were the 90s that great? I don't, I don't yes. know. <laughs> uh, in, in terms of decade, yes. Uh, well, well, what about chromium covers? Did we have chromium covers well, then? The, the, the writing in comics was not that great. But the fact that there were a million comics for a dollar, The Simpsons was incredible. Kurt Cobain was alive. There was a lot of good okay. Stuff well, let's talk about just in the- that decade. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, comics Mar- for Buck. I can't complain. Yes. No, I mean Marvel. Marvel tended to like really uh, not care about writing uh, at that point, and you know even their A list writers weren't given much to do. Like you ever read Maximum Carnage? There's Jim Dematis issues in there where he's just like, all right, fight and fight and fight, but. Uh, I DC was doing a hell of a job in the 90s. 
I mean, you can you can reread Nightfall. You can reread Return of the Superman. You can't reread Executioner's Song. <laughs> okay, you have a point there. Well, Nightfall was, I'll give it a pass. I mean, it was like, eh, I thought that was, Nightfall was the clone saga of Batman, where they just, they dragged it out as yes. far as they could. As yeah, the, but the, the advantage it had over the clone saga is they dragged it on the middle and you can skip the middle. Because it was like just nine months of Azrael being Batman. And really, if you can read, uh, Batman gets his back broken by Bane. Azrael comes in. Batman comes back, fights Azrael. That's great. <laughs> so you can skip all the Azrael stuff. Like, how does Azrael fight Mr. Freeze? You don't have to care. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing with the, the thing with the Clone Saga was every six months, it's like, we're ending the Clone Saga. Here's a crossover. And, and then they would have going. a crossover that reversed the <laughs> crossover from six months ago. Yeah. You know how many times Peter Parker was not Spider-Man in the 90s? It's between him and Ben Riley. It was like a game of catch. Like a game, a yeah. game of it. Yeah. Yeah. And now and now Spider-Man is the head of a Spider-Man family. Because there's Miles. There's Gwen. There's Spider-Girl keeps popping up. There's the Renew Your Vows keeps popping up. There's a Spider-Boy. Yes, Spider Boy. Dan Slott just announced it's Spider Boy and Spider Man, and right now they just threw him in there, and they have not explained him. I mean, when he was first introduced in the Amalgam universe, wouldn't that be awesome? If, if he was, if he that? turned out to be Superboy, yes, pulled <laughs> his mask off, and he's actually '90s Superboy, and he puts on a leather jacket. Talk about going back to the '90s. <laughs> wow, I would buy a Marvel Legends of Spider Boy. I would buy a Marvel Legends of Dark Claw. <laughs> man, the Batman the Wolverine mashup. Man, the fact that they can't bring that back, they can't reprint that and bring it back is just a rotten shame. Yeah, it, it, shame. it is. The Marvel DC series was not the best, but Amalgam was really fun. There were some things that were just so obvious and brilliant. Doctor Strange Fate, <laughs> Bruce Wayne, Agent of Shield. Oh yeah, um, Super Soldier, d- drawn by. Dave Gibbons. Yeah, there was some really, really good stuff with X Patrol. X Patrol. Yeah. Yep. And then two Dark Claws. There was Legends of Dark Claws and Dark Claw Adventures. Yes, there was a Bruce Tim Dark Claw. Yep. yep. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that was there was some really, really, really fun books. And that well, that happened at a time. That would never have happened in the early nineties, but yeah, it happened in the mid nineties when both companies were tanking. And they said, and What the it, hell? Let's do it. Yeah. And that's why we got JLA Avengers. It was in the early 2000s and comics were not doing well. I feel like I feel like it was uh, JLA Avengers was the Hail Mary pass. And then they put Jim Lee on Batman. And I remember that's hush was like kept the industry going for a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I was on another one where I just I did it. I mean, I, I they telegraphed the ending. Jeff Loeb telegraphed the ending too soon for me. I'm like, OK, yeah. But Jim Lee, I mean, Jim Lee's artwork was incredible. I, I think it's his peak because he, he took extra time with that. He, I think he took 18 months to draw those 12 issues. Yeah. But man, that, you know, that first issue, it's like, oh, yeah, this is what this is what Jim Lee has built himself to because he was too raw on X-Men. And, it, and he, he wasn't that good again. I mean, they put him on Justice League. They put him on um, Suicide Squad. They put him on Superman. It was never as good as Hush. Yeah, because if you would see his Batman later on, like, oh, it's the same pose he did in 
during his hush run, like Batman looked the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he did all-star Batman with Frank Miller, it uh, was the hush Batman painted black. And then Frank Miller was way off the rails. Uh, although when you look back at Frank Miller, Mike, uh, Mike Drucker, who's come on the show a lot, pointed this out to me a long time ago. He's like, Frank Miller is just, just crazy. <laughs> where it's like, or it's like, he's, he's just scattershot. And sometimes he hits it. It's like, okay, his daredevil run is amazing. You know, uh, Dark Knight Returns is a, is a classic and rereadable. The first sensitivity is wonderful, but man, there's a, but I just rewatched RoboCop two. <laughs> uh, I, I don't give, I don't blame Frank Miller entirely for that one because there was not, a lot of Frank Miller in it. There is in it, but there was a little about, bastard kid in it. There yeah. was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of capitalism, which again was in the first one. There was there was uh, there was the RoboCop. By the way, the the RoboCop nemesis in this, the first one's called the ED nine oh nine. The Robo the villain in RoboCop two is called RoboCop two. <laughs> it's like a Norm McDonald joke. <laughs> ah, RoboCop two, where he fights uh, RoboCop two. <laughs> Which, of course, has a nuclear radiation symbol on it. I mean, come on. James Bangold had Wolverine fight a young version of himself in... in Still a great movie. Still a great movie. So, so, but yeah, but I I, I get... I remember talking... I remember being at at an appearance Frank Miller did, and he talked about the problems they were having with the script and a lot of the stuff that happened there. Well, if you you read, I believe they did an adaptation of his actual script. Yeah. Years later, I think Avatar would publish it. Um, yeah, but anywho, back to back to the whole looking back at the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Who cares though? Now <laughs> it's it's yeah. like is that well, enough? You know who cares? It's nostalgia always goes in twenty year increments. And although I, I although actually now no I'm just proving it maybe the aughts were so terrible <laughs> that we don't we're, we're still sticking with the 90s I keep forgetting the 90s was 30 years ago we've had this discussion on uh, the our Indiana Jones podcast over and over again just how old we are yes but you're right I think well the in the aughts the aughts were you know another time where comics were tanking because when you like I said, we they did JLA Avengers, they did Jim Lee Hush, and Joe Casada was slowly turning Marvel around. Like he he made a lot of big moves, but it took a while for them to pay off financially. You know, yeah. Ultimate Spider Man, Grant Morrison's X Men, Straczynski's mm-hmm. uh, amazing. But so I feel like there's no just may and maybe there's no nostalgia for that because nine eleven. That's like you know nobody nobody thinks the aughts were any fun. We want to forget the the W years. Yeah, <laughs> that was eight years of George a, George W. Bush. Yeah, it's why we call them the aughts. <laughs> they were a big old zero. I so mean, at least in the nineties, we had Clinton and a booming economy, and everything was going to be great. Yeah. And, and on and then the then the freaking the Republicans took over the White House again, and they crapped all over the great stuff. Yeah. Run yeah. the country back into the ground like they love doing every year. They, that's all they do because they give the money to billionaires and nobody has any. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's yeah, you're that right. Question. You're right. So now we're in this 30 year stretch. I tell you, I, uh, I was not able to go to San Diego again, but I did go to the King County toy show yesterday. And I've been to that a few times and it's, it's one of the biggest toy shows, you know, there, maybe there were two dealers selling comics, but there's no panels. Uh, it's, 
but it was known as the biggest antique toy show in the country. And I've had friends uh, that collected like tin cars from the fifties come in just to go to the King County toy show. And you'd see, uh, you know, vintage doll houses and old dolls and uh, matchbox cars. And and this, this year when I went through it, I mean, there's every time I go to any convention, there's a lot of fun car pops, but most of the vintage stuff was nineties. There was a lot of toy biz X-Men. There were a lot of old spawns, Batman, the animated series mint on card. You know, it's like, that's, that's the nostalgia. That's what 30 year olds are remembering from their, uh, from their childhood. Yeah. But we're not, I mean, again, we're looking at more like the 40 and 50 year olds. They're the ones with yeah, the money. Exactly. Exactly. Young kids don't have any money. Yeah. So again, so having them like again pushing Marvel, pushing again the '90s and a and a te- cartoon from the '90s, where when you what you need is you need something that appeal to a younger audience. Yeah, well, that's the push and pull, especially of comics. They are either uh, appealing, keeping their old audience from leaving, which is usually what what they do in the lean times, or if they have kids interested, interested, they're pissing off the old fans. You know. There's always like, ah, oh, that's not my Captain America. When I was a kid, Jack Kirby drew Captain America. What's this crap? <laughs> uh, but that's going to be the comics that when those kids turn 30, 40, they're going to go, this ain't my Captain America. Rob Liefeld was my Captain America. Put a put wings on his head, on the forehead, not just the side of his head. He had four wings on his head. It's like I- a 707. You know, you saying Rob Liefeld did my Captain America kind of sent a shiver down my spine. <laughs> Ron Garney's not that big a that that, that biggest comic star. Uh, Garney, Ron... did be- Garney did the best nineties Captain America. He did. He did. I remember that. But you know that. what? That but Liefeld's Captain America is memeable as hell. Yeah, yeah, those I see it once a week online. <laughs> Come on, the, the Ron Garney Captain America had Bill Clinton a, as one of his pallbearers. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I love that Mark Wade run so much. Super Scroll Oper- and the Operation Rebirth. Yep. Yeah, I just got um, the new Marvel Legends set has that era Iron Man, which they have never made the Alex Ross, Kurt Busiek Iron Man. Oh wow! From the uh, or the Kurt Busiek George Perez Avengers that run when Mark Wade was writing Cap, and it's like. That's nostalgia now. And for some reason, it was an armor they had never made until now. Hmm. You know, they make Iron Man every three months. So, yeah, they're, they're leaning hard into the into the older older audience because, I mean, let's be honest, what makes the money now for them is the films. Yeah. It's the movies. Um, the TV shows don't seem to garner the same kind of buzz like they did. I mean, nobody's talking about Secret Invasion. No, we talked about it last week that we're not talking about it. There's one episode left, and it's um, – I was more excited to watch Justified yeah. than yeah. I was to watch Secret Invasion last week. And I'm like, you know, and uh, you know how, how little buzz there is surrounding it? I, I see no spoilers. I do not see yeah. anyone out there talking about, oh, my God, did you see what happened on Secret Invasion? We've got to talk about it. And people making memes like – Oh, uh, 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 spoilers without context, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of thing that should be memeable. It should be like, there should be memes saying everyone is a scroll for the last month. Yeah. Like, you know, 
you know, scroll should be the new woke. <laughs> yes. Anybody I don't like is a scroll. That I'm I'm sure Marvel was thinking that and did not happen. You know, it's not, it's just not people aren't it's like meh. Yeah, and like like I said, uh the the trailer for the Marvels is out. I haven't watched it yet. I watched the first one and I went, okay. I watched it, but it's no different than the previous one. It, it's essentially the same thing all over again. I'm there going, I okay, all right. I mean, hey, it's it's it looks like fun. It looks like a fun movie, I guess. But I still, I still have not watched Quantum Mania. <laughs> I cannot get my kids to watch Quantum Mania. I went, I, I went to Quantum Mania to take a break from moving because that's when it came out, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I haven't watched it twice. I haven't yet to go back to it, and I cannot convince anybody else to watch it with me. So, I mean, it's like that's how even that, the the the, the movie mojo hasn't really hit me. Right. I mean, the one, the only one right now that kind of interests me is, uh, um, well, of course, Deadpool 3. Yeah. Which, uh, which got shut down. Got shut down. And um, Captain America, uh, Brave New World, but only because Harrison Ford is in it now. Yeah, I'm curious, but I'm, yeah. Uh, is that, yeah, you're right. I'm curious. Is that going to make me go out and see it like the opening I weekend? I don't and, know. But. And these are all rumors because I haven't paid much attention. I, From what I've heard, he is replacing William Hurt as Thunderbolt right. Ross. And then I heard that he's also, that he's President Thunderbolt Ross. Yes. Um, and German Mulroney is the president. So we've had... Actually, we've had like this will be the third Marvel president we've had in the MCU because we had William Sadler in, in Iron, Iron Man Riot. three. Yeah, uh, we have Dermot Mulroney in Secret Invasion now, right? Which uh, that show might as well be a secret because <laughs> people are talking about it. And so, so well, that makes me think that the president's dying in the last episode of Secret Invasion, or he's a scroll, or he's a scroll. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that and that was the problem. I, I can't remember if we talked about this. The big revelation of a secret invasion, and obviously, I agree with you. The reason no one's talking about it is no one's really watching it. But the big thing was like in uh, last week's episode, they were like, Rhodey is a scroll. And I went, Okay, since when? Right. Since last week's episode or since Civil War? Or since you hired Don Cheadle to replace? <laughs> to replace, uh, uh, yeah, ter- uh, ter- uh, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Yes. That, yeah. That would be a great way to bring Terrence Howard back. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't see happening. <laughs> People seem to like Don, working with Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle is easy to work with. He's a pro. Yeah, but yeah. but that's the thing. It's like there's no shock value if there's no stakes, and they do not explain it. They don't because it's like, oh, anybody could be a scroll. I was like, yeah, anybody could be a scroll in the last ten minutes. You know, you know, like Martin Freeman was revealed to be a scroll in the first episode. Since when mm-hmm. is he a scroll in Wakanda forever? Or, you know, is Martin Freeman coming back in the last episode and be like, Hey, that guy kidnapped me. That's scroll. Right. Right. You know, and secret invasion has got some stuff going for it. Olivia Coleman's not going to end out of the park in it, but. And see, it's a show starring Samuel Jackson fighting aliens. And I can't care. Uh, yeah. Cause it's again, it's the whole, uh, you know, I, I was because I'm watching him going, oh, 
we're doing this, the the refugees thing again. I mean, didn't we just do that with Captain America and the, I'm sorry, in a, uh, the the Winter Soldier and the and the Falcon, you know? And, and but in this case, it's them. The refugees are super soldiers, you know, fighting for these people who've been displaced after the blip. And 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 right. all I'm like, it's like they. And it was I, also the end of Captain Marvel, and I'm like, okay, it's it's. As we mentioned several times, it's 30 years since the 90s. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm like, well, the scrolls haven't advanced at all? Like, the scrolls are just waiting around? Yeah. Add to that, you know, the, the, why doesn't Captain Marvel show up in in freaking Secret Invasion? Yeah, they've been treating her like Green Lanterns, like she's always in space. Yeah, so. And everybody's mm-hmm. mad that Nick Fury was in space. Yeah, I guess... They might be explaining it, I guess, but I, I'm not interested enough to really watch it. Yeah. Really care, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I would say that freaking, you know, Bob Iger was right to an extent that by putting all those DC shows, uh, sorry, all those Marvel shows and was Marvel CW. Movies, yeah, putting the C- all those the CW of all those shows. Oh, and that's the other thing too. Is like it, it seemed like the the Marvel shows were kind of like degrading in the quality where they really were approaching yeah. more of like a CW level. Type. I think, yeah, I think they were rushed and the budgets were rushed because, um, you know, and, and I was disagreeing with a lot of fans. Like I like She-Hulk, but I do, I do have to agree. The CG was not awesome. Like I just liked the writing and I liked Tatiana Masalani. 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 And yeah, but it felt rushed and it was it from what i've heard a lot of they're using the same effects houses to do multiple projects right and you have those effects houses that have been talking about getting burned out yeah. uh they're they're talking about uh, what uh uh across the spider verse yeah a bunch of those effects houses you know are just again and the movie's not even done yet and you have all these effects houses like kind of pretty much going into bankruptcy now uh, right. working on these well and now now it's shut down so yeah. it's getting pushed back, and it was great. It you know it was the first thing I saw that was great uh, because I I haven't seen Barbie yet, and man, I tell you, Barbie was the, was the movie people were looking for. People were like, you and I were even saying this like nobody's going to the movies. Like Indiana Jones didn't do well. Mission Impossible didn't do well. Guardians of the Galaxy did okay. Guardians of the Galaxy three was a good movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Marvel and diminishing returns, but but. You know, and they were like across the Spider Verse, incredible. Uh, Barbie made as much in its opening weekend as the Flash has done. Completely, the Flash is out of theaters. Yeah, it made 155 million its opening weekend, which is great. So it can be done. It can be done, but mind you, it's also made. Still hasn't made back its entire budget. But people are talking about what a great movie it is. How big of a a budget was Barbie? It was bigger. It was. uh, They were talking about it was close to two hundred something, two two hundred something million. So it's still it still hasn't made it back. Greta Gerwig has never made a two hundred million dollar movie. But it's like again, they're talking about production again because it's that whole promotion you know the un- oh, marketing yeah marketing and all so but still but people are talking about wow this is the greatest movie ever because it made so much money nah it, yes it did and don't get me wrong i'm not trying to poo-poo on the barbie parade i love that people watch it people are enjoying it i mean let's be honest the barbenheimer the Bar- Bar- barbaheimer mm-hmm. uh, the thing just happened organically 
And I think that benefits. And a lot of people are doing that, seeing up, seeing Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer one day, Barbie the next day. Barbie the next day, which is, I think, great. It's great. In fact, I wanted to go to both and uh, with Jill, and she was like, they're both going to be packed. I don't want to deal with the crowds. And I haven't. I haven't said that about a movie since pandemic. Yeah, but but again, it's like that crazy thing that's going on. But neither Barbie or Oppenheimer have made back their budgets, you know, and it's fine. But again, it's this whole perception thing. Barbie is now the greatest movie ever. Don't get me wrong. If you love that, you enjoyed it. I haven't seen it. I hear it's good. Um, I, I have no problems with it talking about the, pa- you know, thumbs down to the patriarchy and all those things. I don't care. I mean, I think oh, yeah. it's, you know. And I, and I don't want to get sucked into, like, you know, the toxicity online that Correct. we tend to do. But, but yeah, there, there are definitely people using this as a punching bag because it's. Because because it's not for them. It's not exactly. it's not talking to old white men like us. Right. The only the only way it's talking to us is oh, it's a toy movie. Yes. You know, and it and it looks like a good comedy. I'm always up for a good comedy. Yeah. So uh, so to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad people are enjoying it. I'm just I'm just amused by the perception now of it. And and talk about the greatest blockbuster ever by a female director. Excuse me, Penelope, Penelope Spears directed Wayne's World. Okay, that was an unexpected hit. No one ever gives her credit for being one of the first female directors, woman directors to hit to to pretty much do a blockbuster. Well, did um, this beat Wonder Woman? Because that's Patty Jenkins. People weren't. Yes, it did. It that. did beat. It did beat Wonder Woman. Yes. Okay. Well, Barbie beat Wonder Woman. I guess Mattel knew what they were doing when they gave up the DC license. No, but, and add to that, I, I guess. For hey, 10 years, Mattel had Barbie and Wonder Woman <laughs> and went, eh, we don't need Wonder yeah. Woman. Oh, in a way, though, they're kind of right. I mean, yeah. it's not like Bud, Bar- Bar- I mean, well, we'll see what happens next. Let's see if we get a Barbie cinematic universe. But yeah, and I know Mattel, they had been talking about doing that for a while about, you know, doing a whole bunch of movies based on different, different um, properties of theirs. But um, there, Hasbro's there was been talking, Hasbro's been talking about that as well, but it's just been uh, they they got Transformers to work, but nothing else. Yeah, I mean they've tried GI Joe three times, and as a kid, I like GI Joe way more than Transformers, and I find those movies to be unwatchable. The GI Joe films are just ridiculously dumb. I mean, it's just yeah. it's sad when you go, wait a minute, how hard can it be? We're talking, we're talking. These are action movies with military guys. You can have fun yeah. with it. Yeah, it should be it should be a military movie, but campy. It should be like out Arnold Schwarzenegger at its peak. Because be, the thing I loved about GI Joe, and I loved Larry Hammond's comic especially, but GI Joe was the army against the Legion of Doom. <laughs> because like Cobra just got crazier and crazier and crazier. GI Joe just got dumber. GI Joe started putting guys in football shirts and Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> like, but Cobra was like, "This guy's a clone, and these are drunken bikers." <laughs> and here's a robot. <laughs> but it was fun. Got, yeah, they, I, it was, I, you know what? I just moved around my display, and I, I realized how many GI Joe classified I bought. Because, first of all, it's a great line. It is just as good as Marvel Legends or Star Wars Black or Indiana Jones. Which, again, if you're a figure collector, get them now because they're going to be gone forever. Uh, but I, 
always, I cherry pick that line and I just buy one if, uh, if it appeals to me. And uh, G.I. Joe started it in 1982. By 1985, I had aged out of it. So, God damn it, if Hasbro puts out anything from 1984, <laughs> it is in my hands immediately. And I and I would take my figures out. I was like, man, I have a lot of this stuff. Because there is still a fun a fun to it that the movies haven't even attempted. Yeah, they just don't seem they don't seem to really get it. And it seems like Barbie went for that hardcore. Yes. Yeah. Although I mean I'm just I'm amused right now that but uh, Barbie now is like this symbol of feminism and and all things great when 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 the, it's just the toys on the shelves are talking about all oh, these are promoting unrealistic you know body images for young women and it's it's leading to young girls having eating disorders and blah 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 I'm like okay can we pick a side how we feel about yeah. Barbie well you know? well Barbie changed <laughs> it's it's like Malibu Stacy. But she has a new hat. <laughs> you know, and that's that's an early 90s Simpsons that was making that point. Yep, yep. And you're right. I remember they tried to change Barbie's uh, body to be, you know, a realistic female body and did not sell. Did not sell. Well, I mean, that, that, that's the thing that would just, oh, you know, I'm a guy. I, I really, I shouldn't have an opinion on any of these things. Remember when people got angry when they changed Wonder Woman's costume, where she was no longer running around in a bathing suit. Oh, they gave her, when they gave her pants. They gave her pants. Yeah, and people lost their minds. I mean, equal parts women and men losing their minds over that. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought, I, I, I thought we wanted her to not be like objectified and and all these things. I mean, what what's going on? I don't right? think it was, I don't think it was women complaining. No, no, I saw, I heard, I, I had female fans who were complaining really? about it. Yeah, because they were talking about, because they kept going back on the Linda Carter, Linda Carter, Linda Carter, how she looked, which, of course, incredible, gorgeous. Yeah. But, but I mean, uh, can we, can I, as a guy, trying to keep up with how the other half feels, can we all have a consistent message out there? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, well, I maybe know. it's these things but, evolving. We were, I was watching, um, Jill was watching Adam Eats the 80s, which I thought was a sequel to Adam Ruins Everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, like it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, and uh, yeah, and I love Adam Carnover. So I was like, okay. It turns out it was Adam Richman, the guy, man versus food. And okay. uh, apparently food is winning. <laughs> 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 but uh, he had a show on the History Channel, which is now I think on Netflix, uh, where he like brings back candy or he like has pizza hut make something from their menu that they made in the 80s that they don't make anymore and uh i was watching it with jill and she's like yeah you see you see the food was better then food was better then and every single time he's he's like he's like they don't make the fries in the 80s because they because they put them in animal fat and it gave people heart attacks i'm like (laughs) you know sometimes there's a reason sometimes there's a good reason that your childhood is gone Them damn trans fats. Yeah, you know what? Like candy cigarettes, we didn't need those. Oh man, I love candy cigarettes though. That was that <laughs> he was did a fun. whole thing on candy cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, uh, still, I, I there are times I just I'm amused at how things people flip back and forth. Yeah. On, 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 well, on it's all the, about what's in front of me. You know, what's in front of me now. If I 
And that that's the thing that's so tiring. If I like it, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's Wonder Woman is a perfect example. Wonder Woman one comes out. Wonder Woman's the greatest thing in the world. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four comes out. Wonder Woman sucks. Yeah, but that movie was pretty bad. That movie was pretty bad. That movie was oddly bad because it was the same director and Jeff Johns, and they just went in this bizarre direction. Yeah, it's like what? What? Yeah, but it's like, but then it's like, okay, you didn't like that one. Does that mean you don't like the first one anymore? Just go back and rewatch the first yeah, one. I, I kind of liked the first one. You know, that was fine. Yeah. Uh, I I could I could wash my hands of the entire Snyder era of DC. Like, there's. There's nothing in there that I think we need to keep. Aquaman and Shazam were fun, but if I never saw them again, that's okay. Well, they're still working on freaking Aquaman 2. This apparently has gone into three reshoots, three rounds of reshoots. Warner Brothers not learning their lesson. At least least people like Jason Momoa. I mean, enough. Is he going to be staying around is is my question. Uh, Well, well, that's the thing. I think, well, they let Henry Cable go. Ben Affleck stepped out before Robert Pattinson came in, which um, which James Gunn has already said Robert Pattinson doesn't count, and they are making Batman Brave and the Bold, and it's not going to be Robert Pattinson. Uh, so who knows? But I would say Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot are the most popular people they cast. Well, didn't they appear... Well, I know Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller appeared in that final episode of Peacemaker. Yes. And, um, and and body doubles of Ben Affleck and Henry Cable. And Henry Cable. And I think even um, um, uh, Gal Gadot, right? The Justice League shows up at the very end. But yeah, at the very know. end. And I, yeah. But you know what? The Peacemaker, that, well, that's the thing is Peacemaker and Suicide Squad were made by James Gunn. So he, does he, is he going to dismiss his own stuff? No, he, that's well, where he, it gets weird. He's already said no. He's already said because there's going to be an Amanda Waller series with. Um, with Viola um, Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. That uh, all his, you know, I mean, his wife's not gonna be out of a job. No, so. she was in Guardians 3. Yeah. And she is good. No, she is. She is very good. Uh so I I know he's already stated on Twitter that they are those characters and that that sort of thing will be coming back, you know. So well, it's it, just it, you know, DC's just like their publishing arm. It's like they, they do these soft reboots every 10 years and some things are wildly different, you know, and some things are just, are just nudged a little like for every green lantern, you get a Hawkman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marvel used to be that same. I love that uh, when someone asked John Byrne about that, when he talks about, well, cause he was writing uh Spider-Man year one. He did that. Oh, chapter one. Yeah. Chapter one. Right. And they say, well, but this whole thing goes on. He goes, he goes, well, but he goes, see, the way Marvel works, you know, when DC wants to correct something or in their continuity, they do a whole reboot. Whereas Marvel, they just ignore the stuff, you know? <laughs> yes, go. We're going in this direction now. No, 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 no. What that stuff that happened before, uh, it doesn't count anymore. Yeah, and people well, just go along with it. Well, it's like The Simpsons. It's like, yeah, Flash Thompson went to Vietnam, you know? Flash Thompson was Venom a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of a cool run. He was like that militaristic Venom. Yeah. It's pretty cool, but then, you know, people missed Eddie Brock and he came back. Yeah. Uh, hey, to close this out, I am going to make an assumption. Uh-huh. For greatest thing in the world, 
I'm going to say that both of our greatest thing in the world, and I've been wanting to talk about this the whole show, is the latest episode of Strange New Worlds that crosses over with Lower Decks. Which they decided to premiere at Comic-Con and then... And then drop early, drop um, early. So it came out Saturday. It was yeah. supposed to come out this Thursday. It came out Saturday, and because it came out Saturday on Thursday, I'm going to pretend with my kids that I haven't seen it yet. So I think they're dropping another new episode on Thursday. Are they? Yeah, it moved up the release schedule. Oh, I thought I thought they they would just have no episode on Thursday. I think they're going to drop the new one on Thursday. Yeah, well, it's Strange New World season two. I have liked, but I haven't been as crazy about as the first season, and I don't know why. And in fact, um, Sebastian's dropped out of it. Where he's uh, he watched the first couple, and then I put it on last week, and he he had it on, but he was like, eh, I don't care. I'm like, do you want to go back? I was like, no. Season one, I almost got Jill really into, and season two didn't hold them, but they have been. But uh, both of my boys have been waiting for this episode. Yeah. Uh, well, let's like, yes, the previous episode, the Ahura, um, f- uh, the one that focused on Ahura, kind of hit a dead note with me near the end. What what part? Where when 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 Pike lets her make, give the command, fire the torpedoes. I'm like, since when do you have your communications officer? Uh, Give the command. That's that, Pike. That's your job. Okay, and Pike's just pretty loose. It's <laughs> pretty loose. Loose. too effing loose. If you ask me, he's like, <laughs> yeah, my ensign is now telling me we need to blow up this whole station because she's hearing aliens. And well, he says, "Are you a hundred percent certain?" She said, "Yes, a hundred percent." It's yeah, like, but right, she was I'll also yeah, but she was also really tired and hearing things and, and going like crazy, all going week. crazy, and you had Kirk on there kind of getting on your nerves too. So I just found that to be a little. I mean, don't get me wrong; I, it's within kind of the tone of Pike's uh, command style, but but I was like, ah, that was a bridge too far for me. That's I, one like if John Suntress wanted to complain about that episode, which I'm sure he did. <laughs> I would have been like, you're right, John. <laughs> he complained about he complained about a whole bunch of stuff on that on that episode. <laughs> see, 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 I like Pike's style because I feel like if I was a Starfleet captain, I would want to be Picard and I would be Pike. Yeah, but would you be telling your your uh, ensign your uh, on the communications board? Yeah, yeah, just give the command to fire the torpedoes. If and she was a hundred percent certain, <laughs> yeah, I might. <laughs> But what did you think of the the uh, lower decks episode? I loved it. It was it was exactly what I hoped it would be. And can I tell you something? Now you and I have talked about this on previous episodes, and I kept telling you how I didn't, I couldn't get really get into lower decks. There was something about lower decks that was getting in my way. Can I tell you something? Mariner and Boimler actually work better as live action characters than they do in 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 the in the animated realm well they're both really good they're both really good actors and i don't know i don't know how late in the in the process they were cast but they both look like their characters yes yes so so it was a very easy transition uh tony newsom is a big improv person and um jack quaid uh who i did not know until very recently is randy quaid and meg ryan's son yes uh but he's oh you know uh, ethan peck is is um 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 Anthony Peck's grandson. 
Who's Anthony Peck? I'm not, sorry, not Anthony Peck. Um, Gregory Peck. Oh, I didn't Gregory, know that either. He's, he's Gregory Peck. Um, I was thinking about Anthony, someone else. Uh, Gregory Peck's grandson, <laughs> yes. But uh, Brandy Quaid, and yeah. Um, the, uh, the Quaids and the Pecks that apparently – uh, he and um, Ethan Peck are like really good friends. Like they've known yeah, each other. But he, so. but Jack Quaid is a big part of the boys. So yes. he's he has a lot. He has a lot of geek camera cred. But and he's also the voice of Superman and Clark Kent in the new uh, series on uh, Max. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's I put pretty, it on my list, but I haven't seen it. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not that big a Superman guy. I'm, I, I don't get excited about Superman. It's very anime style. It's for, you know, yeah. you know, it's for the younger audience. Hey, I'll give him that. That's fine. It was like Prodigy. I was like, okay, fine, Prodigy. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things I loved about this episode, I realized there were two writers. It had a writer from Lower Decks and a writer from Strange New World. And I was like, that's why the balance was so pitch perfect. Night, it, it felt like an episode of both shows. And I, I love Lower Decks. Lower Decks is the show... I enjoy the most like uh, Picard season three was the show I am most grateful for. And strange new worlds is the show I am enjoying seeing continue, but lower decks. I just, I just love the hell out of it. And just seeing that opening animation and little touches, like they animated the strange new worlds opening lower deck style. Yeah, yeah. Including the alien that sucks on the cell. And then the cell. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they were all just completely true to character. And, and all the Easter egg and Easter eggs and inside jokes and everything felt just right. Like even things that seemed like throwaway jokes of like, how do you know it's the captain's birthday? Oh, in my time, it's a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my favorite part is like how Boimler is having a hard time dealing with Spock having emotions. Yeah. Oh, right. Kind of how no. we are. Yeah. Yeah. The way, yes, exactly. Like, they well, say, I, okay, let's address that. You know, all these fans are having a hard time with this. You know, let's have Boimler, yeah. You know, bring that up. But it and it's and it's almost you can feel that like he expected to see Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> but no, it, but yeah. it, is. it it was a great, it was a, a wonderful episode. I I certainly hope they do something like that again. Yeah, well, they're doing a musical pretty soon. Yes. So I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, what another joke I just really truly loved was when Mar- when Mariner joins it like halfway through the episode. Boimler's in the beginning and the Mariner's in it. Uh, Rutherford and Tendi are only animated. They're in it, but they're only animated. And you don't see like Captain Freeman. But uh, one thing I love is that as Mariner and Boimler are talking to each other and they're like, they're like, did you notice how like slow everyone talks here? <laughs> and how quietly? <laughs> it's because Lower Decks has that like, it, it was created by Mike McMahon who was a writer on Rick and Morty. And it has that Rick and Morty volume to it. Yeah, yeah. And there are times when I watch Lower Decks, I'm like, I, I don't know if this is Starfleet Protocol. Because <laughs> you guys are running around and screaming. In a way that, like, TOS didn't do. I used to say, I used to say about uh, the original series, the reason everybody liked Spock was he was the only one on the show not screaming. <laughs> you know, between Shatner and James Doohan and DeForest Kelly being Arch and Sulu being old George Takei <laughs> And Chekhov being cartoony, it was like <laughs> there would be a problem, and they'd all freak out. And Spock would just stand there and raise an eyebrow. And the other ensigns are going. And the the problem with them is the noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can't go without a Temple of Doom reference. I can't. I can't. Thank you. 
Uh, but uh, the, I was watching the uh, uh, the Ready Room special afterwards. Yeah. When um, Will Wheaton talks to not not only um, um, not only the the Newsom and Quaid, but also Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, who directed, who directed the episode, yeah. and and he said that he kind of gave had them just told them just cut loose, just do your thing, and uh, uh of course um the whole bit when uh when a uh, Boimler gets on the saddle and goes yes. Riker because <laughs> he throws his leg over and it was in it it was improv it was an ad lib it was all he goes I'm just gonna do it and, yep and, and he did it in he did it in front of Riker right. <laughs> that's so ballsy about it yep. That was it. The Frank said, "My wife screamed." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just another example. And I've been saying this kind of all of 2023. I'm like, Star Trek is where you want to be right now in the geek universe. You know, we keep saying, "Oh, you know, you know, DC's course correcting, Marvel's slowing down." You know, Star Wars is kind of in limbo. They just shut down Andor season two. They could not film the ending so i don't think we're going to see that season for a while you know uh all of all of our big geek things are you know are struggling right now for one reason or another but man star trek is just knocking it out of the park series after series show after and even you know they cancel prodigy and they drop it from paramount plus which is just really odd uh you know even the missteps they're doing it's like the Trek has not been this good since the nineties. Well, they, I, I'm thinking too, cause they have that new show coming up, uh, Starfleet Academy, which they might feel like prodigy and Starfleet Academy are too similar yeah. to each other. Antonio Houston brought, will be a writer on Starfleet Academy. You know, which makes you me think light tone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although that's going to be live action, not um, yeah. animated. Right. Yeah. yeah. But since Tony Newsom comes out of improv and, uh, she was saying in the ready room that, um, Kurtzman said, like, you think like a writer. Maybe you should write on the show. I don't think it's going to be a dark, heavy, Discovery Picard type drama. No, it'll be, I think it'll be, have a little fun with it. Hopefully. Yeah. Like Star Trek, that's the thing. They've infused the fun in the sh- in it now. Yeah. And that was a hard thing for Trek to do for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Like, tr- I remember, you know, like I said, this is the best it's been since the 90s. Cause, and all we keep saying is the 90s were good. <laughs> now it's not. Uh, <laughs> but that was the one complaint people had about Star Trek. You know, in the days of TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, is that, like, they were stiff. You know, they were stiff in a way that the original series wasn't. And I remember I remember thinking, yeah, like, Next Generation is never going to be as, as fun and as carefree as, like, the original series. But now they kind of get the best of both worlds. Wow. Okay. There's your pun. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they like Strange New Worlds, I think, is doing it, is doing what they want to do perfectly, where it's in canon, it's adding to the mythology, it's telling new sci fi stories that aren't just serialized fights, but it's having fun. You know, every time they take a big swing, they have a valid story reason for it. Except when Uhura is giving the, you know, the command to launch the torpedoes. That that wouldn't float on any Starfleet ship. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm with you on that one, John. John, I'm sorry, John (laughs) Suntress. I like you've already decided that he hates it. No, I too I was he was talking about it on Word Balloon. He 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 had he's been having some issues right now with 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 Strange New Worlds now. Like, okay. He's a tough Trekkie to please. He is. He's really tough. 
Yeah, he was liking Strange New Worlds. He did like Picard, but man, he did not like Discovery one bit. No. Uh, uh, well, if, if that's how can people find you? <laughs> Do you want people to look for you on X? I just want to say that again. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's only a it's only a matter of a couple of weeks before that X turns into a swastika. So I'm not. I think even... I think that X is a sign for closed. <laughs> yeah, really. It's a, as a, as a, a Mark Hamill tweeted, the X's are the two, uh, the two dead eyes on the bird. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, in this brave new world, are you on threads yet? No, yet? I haven't gone on thread because um, uh, apparently if I want to, later on, if I want to get rid of it, I also have to delete my Instagram. There's no way I can just get rid of it. Because so uh, they're all meta. They're all together. So yeah. You're stuck with it. It's like, you know, like social media herpes. So I don't want to, I don't want to start up with that. But um, if you do want to find me, yeah, you know where. It's my name. Google me. I'm there. But don't, don't come looking to spoil, to spoil for trouble. You set up a homepage and a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So can I, can I say right now, I'm getting a little bit annoyed because not only had, not only did the celebrities come along and kill the blogosphere, like with Huffington Post and all that. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly the average blogger, you know, lost all their traffic. Now, now all I'm all the celebrity podcasts. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, we are 10 years into this thing. And man, we we look like we're sitting on the side of the road. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden every, every fucking celebrity's got a podcast. Yeah, now. when Smartless started, I flinched. Yeah, oh. and a lot of them are good. And and you know what? Now's the time because all of these actors, all of these writers, yeah, they got nothing. These, yeah, they got nothing. They're they're all gonna be podcasting. Right. So I'm I'm, I'm a little bit a little bit annoyed that now you know it's bad enough that Obama had a podcast. You know, and his first guest is like Bruce Springsteen for fuck's sake. So, so now, yeah, the Smartless guys, it couldn't be just them. Now they're starting a whole channel, Smartless Media, and starting all other celebrity podcasters. Well, the, well, we've had Team Coco for a while. Team Coco, which, but you know, and that, you know, and Conan doesn't have a full time job now. So that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, Andy's got a podcast. There's a podcast from the writers about when he had a talk show. It's, yeah. So, I blame Mark Maron. Yeah. Son of a bitch. (laughs) I just want to stop sucking all the air out of the room, guys. You know? I want to call out some of these damn... Rob Lowe, you do not have the balls to have us guest on your show. Okay. True. Ten years, ten years, ten this... years of ten years of podcasting. Ten years. John Clark has been podcasting. Yeah. Caffeinated comics. Do you know how many Star Trek podcasts there are by cast members of Star Trek? Jesus, yes. I've been watching the Shuttle Pod Show, Investigates, the Delta Flyers. Uh, oh God, what's the one? I don't. What's Kirk Lofton's one called? I don't even remember it. I subscribe to it. I wanna. I wanna do one with. Uh, with. Um... I already forgot his name. Who played Tom Paris in um, in Voyager? Well, that's a Delta Flyers. Yeah, no, but I want to do one with him called "We'll Always Robert, Have Paris." Robert Duncan, Robert Duncan McNeil. Robert Duncan McNeil. We'll always have Paris. Uh, like, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, that that's your plug then. 
<laughs> well, That's my plug. You know what? We've been doing this podcast for 10 years. And if you want to listen to it, you want to hear some veterans pull it out of their ass on a weekly basis. (laughs) (laughs) There are ways you can follow it. Uh, Assuming you are not subscribed already. uh, We are everywhere. You can get your podcast. Uh, As Elliot, you like to say, you can just ask echo echo to play it Uh, on prime day. I bought the good echo, you know, the globe echo. Yes. It actually sounds good. And I tried it and it, it, played my own podcast yeah, you hear that when you tell alexa to do that that's something yeah yeah you know i started this podcast talking like norm mcdonald now i'm talking like john lovitz <laughs> my own podcast john lovitz needs a podcast that's the guy who needs the podcast um you but you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts sometimes we put these stuff out on youtube and sometimes we do facebook live uh but you can always listen to the audio every week through the radio misfits podcast network and either way, uh, go enjoy the 90s, <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>